Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Just before we get started, a quick word from one of our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Cobabble. Cobabble is a technology platform that aims to help you digitize and digitalize your business. Simple to use, massively powerful, and guaranteed to bring your paper-based archaic processes into the digital age. Cobabble leverages the smart device technology already in your employees' hands to help streamline processes, share information, as well as educate and train your workforce. Whether you have paper-based checklists, forms, or audits that need digitizing, are looking for a better way to communicate with your teams, need to train them on the go, or are looking to replace your existing system with one that is far more cost-effective, Cobabble is the tool for you. Check out cobabble.com for more information, to request a demo, or sign up for your free trial. Cobabble, your digitization partner. Okay, and let's get on with it. Hello, and a very warm welcome to this episode of the podcast. It is my pleasure this week to welcome in the virtual studio, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Hey, very unwell. How are you? Doing extremely well, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to join me uh, today and uh, have a little chat about uh, your journey so far. So how we always start this out really is asking you as our guest to turn back time a little ways, as far back as you'd like to, just in terms of your professional journey so far, uh, where it started, why it started, and then we'll run the timeline up to how we ended up speaking with each other on a podcast here in the Middle East. Yeah. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on. And I hope that I can add some value to your listeners because, you know, after all, life and business life, it's it's just a complete journey. And I, I truly believe that I am where I am because of something that started to happen back in my late teens, early 20s, when... I re- so maybe I, I where I am now, I'm working with with leaders and businesses to move leaders and businesses ahead through change. Mm-hmm. And what my challenge has been is that when I work with those leaders, I see so much disconnection, whether they're disconnected um, from themselves from the the teams, from the customers, from the board, from the strategy. And this word disconnection, it really triggers me. It really, it, it there's something in it for me. And for me to help you understand why I serve industries and businesses and leaders around disconnection is because of my journey. So if I go right back to probably early 20s, that was when I was escaping a very tough family situation, meaning I was always under control. And, 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 And that for me was very tough. And I think it was very good when I left home and started to go out my first career was a teacher, so I went and lived at a teacher's college for three years, and I started to find myself, yeah, which right. I think we all do. And then yeah. after that, I got a job as a teacher, and my career, I thought, was set in education because I'm a lifelong learner, and I loved seeing the kids blossoming and being part of that journey. <laughs> but what I realised after about six or seven years of teaching was that you know, I'm in the emotional red here. I'm giving so much and I'm not growing as equally as the kids. Mm -hmm. And so I started to grow myself in other ways at the time. And a lot of that was about learning this international travel, learning how to be a traveler, you know, how to Mm -hmm. go around the world to become bigger and better because of your traveling. And something happened during those maybe 10, 15 years. And I didn't realise it was the beginning of a massive journey or growth for me Mm -hmm. because I started putting up photos and 
wherever the photos were, I started to become known as the girl who travels a lot. And while that might seem a little bit like a branding thing that we look at these days, it was actually a sign that I was hiding behind a facade. I was disconnected from who I was and I felt subconsciously, even though I was enjoying the travelling and learning a lot, it took me many years past there to realise that, wow, this facade, this persona became something that has got a lesson in it for you. And where that started, where the lessons started to hit me was when um, I owned one house, one apartment, and I got a teaching post in another part of Australia. And so I moved everything out of the house and rented the house but I kept one cupboard locked and the only thing I kept in that cupboard was my, back in the day, they were photo albums Mm -hmm. and the tenants broke into the cupboard and actually ripped every single photo of every album. They trashed the lot. And you would have thought I lost my life. The irony of I lost my life. How can you lose your life when you lose your focus? Hmm. Something was starting to bubble up in there, that there was something happening. So then rolled forward a few more years and um, I then moved my career from teaching into training in industry and it happened to be the hospitality industry that I got myself involved with and what a wonderful life to support Mm -hmm. my traveling as well. And I ended up in property-based roles as the trainer, then regional-based in Australia, then Australia-wide, and then it went right up to global roles and I was based Mm -hmm. in Belgium. And I was on a different plane every day, new business, corporate suit, all of that sort of trappings. Mm-hmm. Yet I was so, so empty inside. Right. And I couldn't work out what was going on because I had actually become the title. Once again, instead of the photos defining me, now it was the title mm-hmm. that I was Debbie, the global learning and development manager. I was Debbie in the eyes of my friends, the one with a new corporate suit, the one that, wow, you've made it. Yet I wasn't honest enough, strong enough to recognise that I had actually sold myself to the corporate ladder because Mm -hmm. I believed I would only be good enough when I got to the very, very top. And so every time on the lower part of my career I got you know, a a GM who wouldn't grow me, I would leave and get, you know, new job, leave and get a new job. But every time it was a new job, it was the same scenario I found myself in that no one was growing me. Mm -hmm. And, And I kept blaming, hey, I'm not growing. I've got another bad GM. But in fact, it wasn't about them. It was about me. And I still didn't get this. And so when I got the final, you know, career in hospitality up to um, global role, I was so excited and boy, did it tank. Uh Took two years to tank. But one of the best things that happened was that I recognised that there was no connection between me and the rest of the company between me and the companies out in the world that I was supposed to be developing, I thought, what's this gap? What's this disconnection? And, of course, it was the beginning of the lesson that how can you lead others before you can lead yourself? And I had thrown myself away to the corporate ladder. It got so bad Without getting melodramatic, um, our organisation used to close down for a week over Christmas, New Year, and I was so stressed. I went back in those days, I went into a travel agent and I said, I don't care where you take me, anywhere in the world, 
just give me a bed, give me sun, give me food. In other words, like a package to it. Yeah. I never travelled like that, but I was so stressed. I mean, put me on a plane, put me in a hotel room, you know, with the veranda, with water, and I just need to de-stress. Well, that happened to be <laughs> Thailand, 2004, um, the tsunami. Right, so yeah. the result of that, and here's how disconnected I was, what a learning was that um, the morning of the tsunami, so I had asked for, to be in the highest hut on the hill somewhere, anywhere in the world, and I did get the highest hut on the hill in one part of Phuket. It was called, um, God, what was it, Kamala Bay. And on the morning of the tsunami, I woke up, and being Australian, I've I've got a three-level response to any um, earthquake. And the first one, if you feel you, if you look and you see um, something moving, yeah, you feel your bed moving, and you yeah. look up, that's the first. And then look up and see the things, you know, the lights moving. That's when I always get out of my bed and I put on a robe in case I need to run out. And my third response is if I hear the walls crack, I run out. And so it went through the steps and I just ran out. I thought, oh, my God, we've just had a big earthquake here in Phuket. Now, I wasn't around where the main – see, I've even got goosebumps now. Oh. I'm sure. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and so I was on the highest hut of the hill and we used to go down and the um, tuk-tuk would take us around to the main beach on Phuket. So I would meet my friends and new friends in the in the resort and we would have breakfast and we'd all mm -hmm. take our beach bags there and then just go on to the tuk-tuk at 9 o'clock. So this happened at 8 o'clock for me the, up in the hills with the earthquake. 9 o'clock I'm down having breakfast and everyone said, hey, let's go. We've all got our bags. We're all walking onto the tuk-tuk. And my foot went on and my mouth spoke and I didn't speak, but something came through me and it said, you know what? I'm not going to go to the beach today. Now, an Australian never says that. Yeah. I'm not going to go to the beach today. My foot is on the tuk-tuk. My beach bag is in my hand. I said, you know, I haven't learned my French that I promised my French um, teacher I would do. And I've really wanted to take this incredible photo off Kamala Bay from my veranda. So how about I just wave you goodbye now and I'm going to go up to my room and I'll sit there for a few hours, do my work, and then I'll come down and meet you in the afternoon. Wave them goodbye. This hill was so huge. It took me about an hour to walk up backwards. It was so steep. At two minutes to 10, my life changed because the tsunami hit at 10 a.m. Uh -huh. And at two minutes to 10, I hit my little little bungalow i dropped my beach bag don't ask me why but i picked up my camera oh my god i picked up my camera in my hand i walked the two steps over to the veranda ready to take a photo and as i'm taking trying to take a photo i saw this massive huge half the bay was like brown and it used to be beautiful blue ugly brown mark it must be coral spawn so mm. i i actually put the camera down next to me and i said to myself oh well you'll have to take a photo tomorrow or this afternoon as i'm standing there thinking that oh my god in front of me all of a sudden oh. the ocean just lifted there was no wave where i was that lifted now it was just low tide an hour ago at breakfast lifted the water came up took the first row of huts, the second row of huts, there goes the tennis court. I'm watching this like a bad movie. Yeah. Within five seconds it came in, within five seconds it was out again. Hang on, there's there's no water in the bay. What is going on? Within five seconds it came back angrier and angrier and it's taking out my car that was down on the tennis, all the huts, and I'm just, I'm frozen and it's angry and it's taking bushes and, my God, there's our breakfast room. There's this. There's... Then five seconds out and then dead calm. And oh the universe screamed, don't muck with me. Hmm. Not one bird 
in the jungle where I'm the top hut surrounded by jungle, not one bird, not one sound, and I am the only person in the world. The sea from five seconds, five seconds in and out was so ugly and, and messy, it was dead calm. It was surreal. There were dead bodies, there were houses, there was cars, but it was dead calm. That was the beginning of me understanding that we had just been through a tsunami and cutting a long story short, how this is connected to me and my disconnection. Mm-hmm. I had just the day before taken one of my favourite business suits from Brussels. I brought it to Thailand because I wanted to get three copies of it. Remember, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm defined by my suit and the amount of yeah. times I'm on a plane. I had just put that in and paid for it the day before. And the first thing I wanted to know is, oh, my God, will my suits be okay? Can you see how disconnected I was, how sad that was? So what happened was I went back. They medevaced us out a week later, and I thought everything was fine. I didn't realise I went into shock. Mm. I actually stepped, I arrived back on the 20, that happened on the 26th, yeah, the 26th Boxing Day, and we were medevaced out and on the 28th, the Belgian government came and took us, and I went to bed at the 29th morning when I got back to Brussels. I woke up on the 2nd of January. Wow. Didn't drink the whole, I didn't realise that's what happens when you go into shock. Rolling forward a year from there, I went in, I got a redundancy and it was one of the best things that could ever have happened because my body was shutting down because it's saying, you are still in shock, but the lesson, again, you've missed the lesson. Haven't learned the lesson, yeah. No one belongs to you. We even took all all your clothes away from you and you're still worrying about how you're going to look in the workplace. So I I just wanted to bring that up because disconnection has been a huge part of who I was. And through that, I have now spent a good uh, probably up to about 23 years now of clearing all of this trash that we accept from society. And I got an artist who made a beautiful graphic and the graphic is a bonfire of trash Normally it's beautiful sticks, yeah, and then you light it, voila. But bonfires can be sticks but also rubbish. Mm -hmm. And And this artist made four paintings of what happens when we clear on a physical, on a spiritual, on an emotional level and how we can get rid of all of the stuff that's covering us from being, from discovering who we really are. And the last the last painting is this beautiful golden ball, which I now know is my intuition, which guards me, which tells me who I am, which keeps me safe. And from that, I started own, uh, I started up my own business because I recognized that the disconnection that I had experienced, how many leaders are, CEOs, COOs, department heads leading others, but they themselves aren't happy in their job. They don't know who they are. They can't lead others. They can't be authentically themselves. Mm. And so Business in Motion was born as as an organisation that helps businesses and leaders ahead through change. Now, what that means is we work with change management, we work with leadership, we work with strategy, and that is probably what I could now say is the core business. But you know what? When I get a leader who is reaching the point of no return with wearing a facade of who he is, Mm. when we're doing this, he realises he needs to take a step back and discover who he is first and foremost, before leading that change, before bringing that leadership culture in, whatever. Yeah, and which makes really perfect is- sense uh, in, when it comes to it. Because And just because I, just, I think it's so valuable what you're saying, and I want to talk about business emotion and what you're doing. But I wanted to ask a question on this because I know, and it's a difficult one to a- answer, I'm sure, because why is it that so many of us 
end up in that situation. So for Debbie, why was it that you had this idea that success was the suit and the job and the the trappings of that? Where, where, where is that coming from? Is it just societal or is there something inside of us the way we're looking and that's it? Because it's always something that fascinates me as to how, because there are so many people who do not know themselves, myself included, and that you we're learning, we're on this learning journey. And it's like, why have I got so much trash built up? Why, where did I collect it from? And have I just been doing it subconsciously? Or what? And so I don't know, can you explain a bit more about that? Oh, where and how long's it been? <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, you know, I think I'll start with now. When you look at the new generation, they haven't got that disease that we've suffered from. They know that who they are matters to them. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We seemed, and, and I go back and I reflect on my, my father and my father's father. Mm-hmm. To me, what I saw, but I'm not right and others aren't wrong. It's just what I this saw. Is what you saw. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. My father, um, his father died when my father was very, very young and had to bring up his brothers and sisters as a young child because he was the oldest he had to take charge. Right. And I think back then that there was very much a control society or you can say it in another way, a society that said who you are is what you do mm. because, because my father grew up to be a furniture shop cleaner, and he then moved all his way up to own the furniture shop. That defined him. Mm -hmm. His life as a furniture shop owner meant he had made it. He had a title, and he could tell others where their life was going wrong, including his own daughter. And I think it was something in society that said, You've, you've got to go through hard knocks and once you've proved you can do that, then we will give you the status of he knows what he's doing. And we always become what we're surrounded with. So what happened as a result of me um, leaving, you know, when I got the redundancy, I went through years and years of clearance, but for the maybe next year I was unemployed. And I ended up writing a series of books and even the way that that came through me as a development tool to help others who are stuck, that in itself is a story. Now, why am I saying this? Because you asked where did it come from? And I think I think when I got, oh, you be, oh that's right, because you do become what you're surrounded with, which is one of my lessons in one of my books. And once I came out of being surrounded by my parents' mentality and by a corporate mentality where you feel, and I think a lot of people see this, that these days they enter a new job all excited that it's going to be X, Y, Z, but within two weeks you see it's A, B, C. It's the exact opposite, that what was said in the interview, it's not real. You know, because there's only so much research you can do, even with Glassdoor these days. You know, unless you can knock on the door and walk into the staff canteen and talk to 10 different people on 10 different days without any fear of retribution, how are you ever really going to know? So I think other things, we allowed other things to define us. And in my case, title meant I would have made it. Title Mm. gave me a status that I was a worthy person. Mm -hmm. And part of my breakdown, because this is what happened, when I got the redundancy, I was on my way to a complete meltdown. My body had already started shutting down. I got a frozen shoulder. That was the very first signal. But I got to a point where I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk for three months. And I was on my way out of this world after the redundancy. Everything. And why? I completely get it now. Emotion is energy in motion. 
I had become emotionless because I had the title, but I didn't like the environment I was in. I didn't like the people I was working with. I didn't like the facade they were wearing. So I just shut myself down to keep getting the paycheck. You, You can't cheat nature. Energy must be moving through you. And because I'd lost who I was, the world said to me, you know, we gave you, we brought you into this world as the most beautiful little girl who was curious, who was active, who was full of life. Look at who you are now. Mm. And so I allowed the world to change me. And for me, I was very lucky that something, the universe took me under its wing and ripped me out of the corporate world so I could see how much I had allowed myself to be taken in by the facade. Now, the corporate world doesn't have to be sick, Hmm. but unfortunately, many companies are. They're not who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know. How can a company know when its leaders don't know? Or how Hmm. can a company know and be in alignment with its actions if the leaders themselves don't even agree on a future yeah, yeah it doesn't just, add up <laughs> yeah sorry it doesn't add up you're right it's, it doesn't add up when that's the case and it's this the, the word you use um, consistently the disconnection between those that are supposedly leading but how do you lead when you don't know how to lead yourself um and so that's it is it makes perfect sense when somebody's talking about it and explaining it but and yet so many of us are in the middle of it not really knowing that that's the case. But how can you see the tree when you're in the forest? And this is why I am probably one of the luckiest people on earth because when I was put into that wheelchair and at the same time got the redundancy, what the world did for me is took me out of the forest into the middle of a desert. Now, I was still in Brussels. I wasn't back in the UAE at that stage. But, you know, I I was taken out of any distraction that I could hide behind Mm. a corporate title, busyness, um, you know, all these things that are distractions. And I was in a house by myself for three months with one chiropractor chiropractor visiting every day trying to crack my body and every second day the muscles stripper would come they were the only two human beings that I would see for three months and boy when you've got to face yourself the things you start seeing that you didn't have time or you weren't willing to see before and when I went right back to why I felt I lost my life when my photos were ripped up, it all started falling into place. Mm. And the fact that the book, Travelling Embers, and then so Travelling Embers is life-promoting insights from the soul of the earth. So it's all my travelling stories, no more than three paras, but the second page opposite is the lesson in life I got that. And an ember is a lesson that I was given in life, but it went into my untapped, unseen unconsciousness because I wasn't ready for it. And it lay dormant till I was ready. So when I was flawed, when I was surrounded by no distractions, all these lessons from life, my travels and my corporate all came flooding back. It was just perfect to write these books because Mm -hmm. um, like corporate embers is... um, uh, uh, business promoting insights for the soul of the corporation and it brought it, it all came together in a model of change where you know what we've got to stop and reflect and connect that's the first two of far, of three phases in my model reflect connect collaborate innovate and become and reflection and connection it's like a whole new language for a busy ceo how can i stop and reflect mm. why should i connect and it's a whole new world Mm, indeed yeah no it is because i think uh, along with all of that a lot of us get this idea that well if i'm leading the company then i'm i know what i know 
they listen to me, as we're seeing more and more now, it's becoming very apparent that actually when you are the CEO, your primary job is to serve the people that work for you, not them to work for you. It's how can I do my job better so that you can do your job better? But it for me, and maybe it's just my life journey, it seems to be that it's only now that this kind of thing is becoming more prevalent, where a, a CEO of a, you know, a huge international organization would actually be the one that came knocking on your door and saying, you know what, I think I need your help. Whereas 10, 15, 20 years ago, that, that's that's weakness, right? That that would almost be seen as weakness right. from, a, from a leader right. that, well, I don't need yeah. help because I'm the leader, so I should know everything and be able to do everything and people listen to me. And it's interesting, this transition, because, and, and why I'm saying that, because one of the things that we want to talk about now is with Business in Motion, you you had this amazing universal lesson, if you like, and, and so much taken from it, um, that you that you were able to listen to and process, because something, it's, it's, again, I've said this on a couple of podcast episodes I've done recently, because it's obviously the universe talking to me right now. This is very, very topical for me in terms of allowing yourself to be guided by, and again, whatever you want to term it as, whether it is a faith or it is an energy, whatever, it doesn't matter to, to me. There is something that if you're able to allow it, it will guide you and 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 help you to understand more about you. And part of my coaching experience is that as I learn more about myself, I learn how to get out of my own way, which is what I've been doing a lot, you know, getting in my own way, not anyone else to your point of, oh, it's the GM's fault. They're not developing me. This company is not helping me. This is always somebody else's, right? This blame game. But actually, if we look at ourselves and say, well, you know, there's a common denominator in all this and it's me. (laughs) So maybe I should be looking at that common denominator when it came to your business and, and, and all of these CEOs and the evolution of your business, because like I say, you've been doing business now for, for a good while and and the world has changed around that in terms of the kind of client that you would see now, as opposed to 10 years ago. Can you tell us a bit more about that in terms of the, what business in motion is obviously is helping with direction and helping people in see inside, but how big of a change has the last, let's say decade been in terms of the, the way that your business is now operating and working and how does that link with our geographic location? Oh, there's a lot of questions. There (laughs) There is. (laughs) Um, I'll take a step back. Um, First of all, interestingly, for any entrepreneurs who are listening, just remember that your entrepreneurial journey is also a journey. Mm. I've actually had five names for the business and when I started it, It started as to live and learn, which was trying to take the fact that, you know, I've lived and I've Mm -hmm. learned and can I help you live and learn as such. Mm -hmm. Um, But then um, evolution happened and and a few bits and bobs. The other thing before I get into what it is now is you were so true about listening to the universe because, you know, she, I often say she, She's got your best interests at heart. And when you start to learn to trust, oh, my God, magical things happen. And where business in motion is now and where I thought I was going to take it, I could what I was going to build, I couldn't have built it any better than what has emerged as such. So um, the first thing I'll just mention, which is, which I'll take a step back and then I'll come again, is when I was writing these books, people would read them and say, oh, my God, as I'm reading about Deb, I'm thinking about myself. And I think, oh, that's great. You know, I've got them reflecting. And I thought the books were really going to take me somewhere. And then a bookstore put them on the back shelf, right in the back in the Arabic section. I'm like, what? So I pulled them all out and I now use them as giveaways when I'm for public speaking. People say, oh, can I have a bit of you, Deb? And, you know, yeah. I give them a book, as such, which is always very much appreciated. But another way the book served that I would never have known was going to happen is remember I said that while I was writing these books or while the books came through me, I didn't write mm-hmm. them, they came through me, or the lessons downloaded. This model, Reflect, Connect, Collaborate, Invade, Become, started to evolve and I've got a whole model with the process questions, the outcomes, the milestones, mm-hmm. all of that. And, again, I thought that was going to be the the core of my business. 
But remember, I didn't have research behind it, but I knew this model was spot on. And so subconsciously, when you know something is so right, so true, so real, and it can serve, if you show the universe you've done as much as you can with it, it'll step in and take over. And what happened was one of the three core products that I'll talk about Business in Motion represents now is called the Leadership Challenge. The Leadership Challenge, oh, my goodness, what an amazing methodology, leadership methodology. So it's a set of five leadership practices, 30 leadership behaviours, two commitments for each of the five practices and eight fundamentals. And it's based on now 40 years of research, which is valid and reliable to this day. And it is one of the most simple leadership concepts I've ever seen. It's the work of Kousis and Posner, completely research-based. Out of the blue, Wiley, the publisher of the Leadership Challenge, they have had the Leadership Challenge operating in four of the five continents, or is there six continents, but most of them, except the Middle East, have been operating the Leadership Challenge for donkey's years. Since Jim and Gary um, started the research 40 years ago, their first client was 10 years after that, Apple, and then Mm -hmm. it just went wild. And um, the Middle East was the last part of the world that didn't have the Leadership Challenge. So Wiley were bringing it out and called trainers and they saw me in Sharjah doing this wild presentation about something else and at the end of it Matt from Wiley Dubai popped up to me and said hi big loud American accent hi I'm Matt from Wiley and you are going to be a facilitator for us with the leadership challenge and I looked at this guy and I went okay I hear the American accent we're we're a very different part of the world. Mm-hmm. Never heard of the leadership challenge. Never heard of Wiley. Sorry. Bye. Anyway, <laughs> he pursued me. And in the end, I said, look, if you're really that keen, I will come in and sit for an hour in your five-day thing that you're going to be training people. I am so experienced. I know what works in this part of the world and what doesn't. I also know that I only work with what resonates with me. So Mm -hmm. you've got one hour. I'm not going to pay for it. I'll sit there and within an hour, I'll know whether I want to stay or not. Within the first hour, I recognised, oh, my God, this is embers with research behind it. Oh, my goodness. So um, for the last maybe 15, 16 years, I've worked my way up. I'm now a certifying master mentor of any of the certified masters around the world. So one of the three... Um, proprietary materials that we use in business in motion is driving change through behavioral change. So Mm -hmm. model, so the leadership challenges, model the way, inspiring a shared vision, challenging the process, enabling others to act and encouraging the heart. Doesn't have to be linearly, linearly, but it's all based with the behaviors. And that's what Embers is about. It's saying connect with yourself then connect with others and no matter what's going, if you guys are modelling the way and your values based from the very beginning, that trust is going to grow, the partnership will grow and people will willingly follow you. It is such a simple model, but it's based on frequency of people seeing you behaving in a way that helps them know you, like you and trust you. There's Mm. nothing scientific about being a great leader. Mm. So that's one of the things that we do. But how amazing that the world brought that to me and knocked on my door. So how do we work with that now, talking about where business in motion works and how it works? We, I'm just right now ending up one two-year change project with TLC at its core where we took the preferred shipping and and logistics provider for the FIFA World Cup. They were going to be accepted into preferred supplier status However, they had to make one change and the committee said to them that we need you to be more innovative. So we took them from a management-based culture 
to a leadership-based innovative culture. So as they've been serving the setup for FIFA, which is starting this month, we have converted, transformed the 12 leaders from managers into leaders, and you should see the impact that that's had on product selection, on solutions for World Cup challenges, of which there have been many. I'm sure. (laughs) It's been amazing. And we started this during the embargo when Qatar was cut off from everywhere else. Everywhere, right. So, yeah. So I work, and all of that was done online. Mm. I only went down to Qatar for my first trip to work with this team probably two months ago. But we drove that change online for two years. How good is that? Fantastic. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. And, lever- you know, obviously the the world kind of forced that on us in terms of the situation, but it, it does actually, it really helps me to uh, have an example of how the technology has had a massively positive impact on business. And the reason I say that is because of some of the stuff I do with with my um, yes. initiative with Beat the Cyber Bully. It, it's it's trying to find positive impacts of of, of technology yes. and how we can leverage these things for good because there's a whole load of bad stuff that happens unfortunately but what a brilliant brilliant case study of, exactly. of, of success exactly. there's another one that we're um we're only a partner to but a big partner where we are transforming the Queensland Department. Well, I'm not transforming, but I'm one supplier that helps with the big project. The Queensland Department of Education is repositioning its principles. Are they an authority discipline and heading up the school? But they are now going to be the grower of communities um, and learning. How good is that? Amazing. We're doing that through the leadership challenge. But again, I do the training for it. I do the coaching for it. I do the the um, solutions, the consultancy for it. Same thing, two other products, um, both can be face-to-face or online, um, is where we use ORSC, Organisation Relationship Systems Coaching, where we work with teams which have relationships you know so many times we say the team at work that's bad team bad team Mm. which implicates the people they're bad people what do most people do most consultants go in and work with the 10 people no 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 it's got nothing to do with the people teams equals relationships relationships are the space between the people so there's two people there's a space here and there's so much invisible stuff brewing under the surface. So my job is a volcano maker to clear the space of all of that disconnection because the more negative in there, the more they will be disconnected. So mm-hmm. we go in and use the ORSC methodology for change but working at change, not from the behavioural point of view, that's TLC, the leadership challenge, but now from the relationship point of view, the way they come together and what's in the way. And for example, when there's conflict in that space, we change the narrative that no longer is conflict who did what to whom when, that's disconnection. Mm -hmm. We come at it from a space of connection where we say, okay, so, oh my goodness, What's trying to happen in this space? Something's brewing and it's showing us that what we currently have doesn't work. So if we stir it up even more, what will emerge? It's just magical watching this change come through the relationship work, the teamwork, Mm. but not working with the people, working with the space between the people. Yeah. So that's number two. And then number three, we work with the, the ProSci change management methodology. I'm actually under Human Universe, which is an authorised training provider. So when somebody, like quite often it works for like manufacturing, um, construction, IT, um, it ta- changing medical records to be automated, you know, mm-hmm. all those sort of big process-based changes we work with, um, yeah, the ProSci methodology. The training, I do that under Human Universe, who has the licence. So right. 
But it's all about connecting. And that's why there is, and, and I'll stop then. You've got me on a roll. That's why <laughs> this is I, good. <laughs> I, um, yeah, we've got what we call our signature picture in Business in Motion, and it's on our website, and it's called the Red Thread. And this, okay. are you ready for another little story before I tell you Absolute. the Red Thread and Absolutely. how it connects to the day's work? Okay. Sure. So I start off by talking about picture a little girl on the beach. She's walking along the beach. She has a needle and she has a red thread. And she pops the red thread through the eye of the needle, yeah, and she pulls it down and she ties a knot. So now you've got a needle, red thread with a knot. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. She's walking along the beach and she sees those little shells that are like flat discs with a hole in them. And she yep. thinks, wow, wow, these, there's so many of these. Let me see if I can make a shell necklace. And she's got what she needs. So she picks up one shell, puts it over the needle, and it falls down onto the knot. She picks up her second shell over the needle, and it falls down and sits on top of the first shell. Mm -hmm. And she keeps going. Eventually, she gets to her desired outcome, which is a shell necklace. So she did, she took action that got her to her desired outcome, shell mm -hmm. necklace. So let me ask you two questions. What would have happened to her desired action if the red thread had have broken? What would have happened to the necklace if the red thread broke? No necklace. They would, uh, it would break. No necklace. And... The shells would have scattered yeah. everywhere. Yeah? yeah? And the second question, what did the first shell do for the second shell? Supported it. It supported it. Absolutely. So now if I take the little girl's story into a signature story, well, I, I haven't got a picture to show you now, but it's on the website. Picture mm -hmm. three circles, be, do, measure. And there's a beautiful red thread connecting all three. And so what it says is, do you know, Mr. Leader, Mr. Organisation, what we want our business to be? What is the desired outcome? So many businesses do not start with that. They start with the second shell. What is that? Do. So when we decide what we're going to do, what we do is we watch our competitors, we get good ideas from books, we talk to customers, and we start doing things that, like the scattered shells, are taking us everywhere but towards a desired outcome. The actions are serving no purpose and take us no closer to a better future, faster future, more techni technologically driven future, whatever you want. Our actions are taking us away because there is no connection, there's no red thread. We're working in isolation of a desired state. Similarly, our measurement doesn't measure what it is we're doing because the measurement is not in alignment. And so the red thread is what brings be, do, and measure completely in alignment, which is the backbone to our strategic thinking, which is where we bring our scorecard in and we can see that our actions, most of them we need to keep doing. There's a few new ones, but there's also some disconnected shells we need to stop doing as well. And yeah. it's all about this red thread of connectivity. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And and again, so so send, makes sense when you when you explain it like that. And you think, yeah. And I'm just putting it into context of myself. It's like, yeah, we're very busy doing sometimes. We're not looking at where we're going. We're very, very busy being distracted by shiny objects and 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 doing things. Oh, yeah, that seems like a good idea. That's good business. That's and actually we need to bring ourselves back in line from from that side of things. But it, it is I think it's something that more and more business owners are maybe becoming a little bit more aware of 
to the point where they yeah. are coming to you rather than you sort of having to be out there saying, ah, I'm here <laughs> and, and you, you do need to come to me. It's actually people saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeking you out because I know I need yeah. your help from that side of yeah. things. And before we get into the next bit, it's just the, 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 the sort of the connector, I guess, from our storytelling perspective in the podcast is the yeah. Middle East. And how has how has the Middle East become? You know, how did you end up in charge of doing that particular presentation when you got noted? What 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 is it that the Middle East? Uh, how big a oh role is it playing in your journey? <laughs> oh, the land of sand is just so energetic for me. It's amazing. Um, if I take a step back, how did I even get to know that the Middle East existed? Yeah. <laughs> when I was in my early twenties, entering hospitality in the very beginning, I was on the Great Barrier Reef on an island, being a waitress, and I was down at the staff bar one day, and I ran into—I was only brand new on the island—and I ran into a girl at the staff bar called Helen, and I—and we were both probably twenty-four, twenty-five—and I'm talking. Oh, I don't want to even mention years ago. <laughs> a while ago. Years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I said to her, oh, well, so how long have you been here? She said, oh, I've been here for a year. I said, oh, really? And where were you before that? She said, I was in a place called Dubai. And I remember saying to her, I remember it so clearly. I said, where? And she said, Dubai. And I said, never heard of it. Where is that? She said, in the Middle East. I said, hang on, Middle East. I know the Far East, like Asia. Where's mm -hmm. the Middle East? She said, well, next one along. And I thought, <laughs> why, why don't I know about this place? And I said, oh, what were you doing there? She said, oh, my God, what a place. She said, and hospitality, they've got one hotel, which is the intercom that's still, it's now um, a Radisson on the creek. Yeah? Right, yeah. She said, they've got real gold on the taps. I'm like, What? <laughs> about what Dubai was like. So she was there days when the first American and British oil explorers were there. That's when she was there. Mm -hmm. And her backyard was dirt lanes. Now, Sheikh Zayed Road is now, what, 10 lanes wide yeah. each way. She had a road outside her little house that was a sand track that camels walked on every day and she lived at the original, um, you're not going to believe this, the original gold souk, which was a bamboo hut, so bamboo, an open window with a bamboo thing and gold chains were hanging over it. It was an honesty system and mm. people would walk up, they'd like a chain, they'd take off, they'd try it on, yep, and then leave however many dirhams in. That's what she saw, how lucky. Wow, so amazing. I <laughs> I really, really want to see this place with real gold on the tabs, mm. um, which never really evaluated. It, it really never happened. So it mm. must have been pretend gold or whatever she saw. And so um, my my second career was hospitality. And as I kept moving, that's how I ended up in Dubai. Um, I was heading up the training function for a, a regional company called Ritana. <laughs> and um, so that's how I got here. And... Then after I was with Ritana for about, I think, six or seven years, that's when I ended up going over to Brussels. But when disaster struck, you know, and I was in a wheelchair and all of that, mm. I felt such a loss for having left Dubai. So right. when I came back, I almost had a set of clientele from my six years of being a trainer in one company. You know, I had quite a reputation. So that brought me back here and I was just so happy to be back in the land of the sand because um, I've had one of my greatest aha moments was when I was out in the Leeward Desert and I became a grain of sand. I was no bigger. I was equal to everything around me and it was pure silence, connection and energy. And this place, when you get away from the highways, when you have cleared yourself. Remember, I've spent so many, about 24 years now clearing myself. Mm. My God, this land can talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're so right. I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of cleaning still to do, but I, I find great peace when we're out in the desert, away from everything, 
you know, it is just peaceful. It's quiet. You've got the at night, the, the the fire. You've got the stars. You've got everything. You've just got time to put to one of your other points there of of actually taking the time to take the time to to what? No, no, no. To be, mm. not to do. You've got time and space to be, which is be do measure. Mm. And it's the being that most people are missing. Mm. And it's the being that the first two practices of the leadership challenge model the way, know what you stand for and know how that can serve others. That's being. And Mm. when we go straight into doing leadership, which is challenging the process and enabling others to act, that's when you go to the desert for one night and say, oh, that was a good night. Yeah. But when you go there to be, you start taking the layers of the onion off. And my God, you're at the whim of nature then. It, it's, yeah. 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 No, I fully, fully resonate with that. And uh, I could talk with you about this for an ongoing number of hours, but I know that we want to also keep this episode within the realms for our listeners. So I, I do want to ask you one final question, though, which I ask to all of our, our, our guests on, on the podcast. And it's about resources, because you have a wealth of experience. You have had so many um, experiences within your your professional journey experience that um, I wanted to ask you about resources and anything that helps you as Debbie keep on going and keeps you sort of, I'm not grounded, but just keeps you that going in the direction of your B that keeps you, because we all get distracted a lot of the time. Um, are there any resources that you'd recommend to other people that are starting out on this journey or in it that you say, you know what, definitely check this out. And it can be book, it can be podcast, it can be mental, it can be person, it can be meditation, anything really that just from your personal perspective, you're like, yeah, this is something I'd say. Mm. The less traditional answer that you would get, but it comes to mind straight away for me is mm. get out in nature. Mm. Get out in nature because it will strip you bare and it will give you so many new perspectives. So that is a resource that's free of charge for everyone. And my God, she teaches you so, so much. I'm a swimmer. I was swimming the other day, talking to someone and turtles started coming up between the two of us. I mean, what can you learn from that? And I've made a podcast, you know, um, lessons in life from Mama Turtle. So whatever type of nature get out in it so that's number one that's actually Um, just put you on to number two because that's really important because my question was going to be can we do that here in this region and the reason i ask that is because some people say yeah but nature it's it's supposed to be green and it's supposed to be forest and it's supposed to be this um and i just wanted to and you've kind of answered that but we can do that here as well right it's still getting out there do you know people are saying, where are you going to come home, Deb, meaning move back to Australia? Australia is one of the richest natural resources countries. I can't see myself going back because whilst we've got these incredible jungles, these incredible seas, I feel like we've even got more of it here. Now, most right. people wouldn't get that. Like we've got the mountains. My God, when you camp in the mountains, oh, you wake up with that sun that sun coming up over the mountains is phenomenal. We've got the sea where I swim with turtles. We've got the sand where you've got, oh, my God, you've got animals, you've got um, uh, non-animal living things. I mean, yes, just (laughs) take 10 steps out of your front door and you're in nature, even if it means you're going to sit in your front garden. I had one leader once who was so disconnected and I just words weren't getting through. They were not getting through. So you know what I did? I was just on the whim. I thought, <laughs> right. He was looking to lead a major change. And I thought, my God, he's gonna, he's gonna stuff this change up because he won't be able to be the type of sponsor that we need. So mm-hmm. I said, right, out there's a garden. Give me one minute, I'll be back. And I went out and I found a tree that had fresh baby little leaves just coming in. Have you ever seen a baby leaf on a big tree? It's always bright green and it's shiny, it's translucent, yeah? So I picked one of those and I walked back in. We were in a hotel lobby. You could see him thinking, what the (laughs) hell? And I said, open your hand 
and I gave him this leaf. And I said, you were going out. We were on a, an, in a lobby in a resort that had like the pool area and then the beach. And I said, I don't care where you sit. Just don't sit near a, another person. And you're going to sit and be with that leaf for 10 minutes. I want no words. I want no looking around. I want you to be with that leaf. He came back in 10 minutes with tears in his eyes. <laughs> and I asked him what had happened. And without going into it too much, he had seen things that were right in front of him mm. that he'd never seen before. Right. Yeah, just so from being with nature. you have a beach. Go and sit on a chair next to a tree. Yeah. Yeah, it's doable. <laughs> it's doable. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. So that is brilliant. I mean, number one, get connected with nature, get out there. And you were going to say number yeah. two, I think, in, in terms of um, another resource. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I'll give you three more. What really started me, and I look, I can't remember whether it was before me nearly leaving the world or after, but this incredible book, I can't believe I've forgotten half of its title. There's something like The Road to or The Journey to Synchronicity. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. One, And it was about a guy who was struggling as a corporate leader and how they took him out on one of these, we call it in Australia a bivouac, where you go out and you've got to survive in the desert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I wish I could remember the name and the author. Anyway, if we think of it, I'll, I'll we will. To me. And we'll find that's it, yeah. a turning point for me. Yeah. Um, another one that I have integrated into my coaching services is it's an Harvard Business Review um, book. It's not a journal, and it's called The First 90 Days. And mm -hmm. basically, what it stresses is please, when you take on a new job, Get into the technicalities and try and win friends and influence on what you can do. Spend the first 30 days, 90 days building relationships. Get the connectivity. Get the trust. It says it so well. And I think the other one I would say to anyone, even though I facilitate with it, like the Leadership Challenge, the book to read, um, I would read that. I, it's right. just so sensical it's called the leadership challenge it's up to the sixth edition and the seventh edition's coming out um uh i think in january or february where right. jim and barry are actually even adding new research on the impact of covid on leadership in the workplace wow. so um yeah we can't wait for that and we've seen it's really interesting it's really interesting because we were just talking to them the other day that a small snippet they said is we expected, obviously, one of our care behaviours that's gone up a lot more in demand from people. But the funny thing is, oh, what's the word, talking head song? Um, the same as it always been, the same as it's ever been, the same as it's ever been. And that's what Jim said. Amazingly, the five practices, because they're, they're valid and reliable and they're updated every single day. Our five practices are so in alignment with what people wanted. Over COVID, not much changed, even right. though there are little things. Some of the 30 behaviours have gone up in demand. But the reason we can say that is because 15 years ago, Model the way used to be the fourth practice. It's now the first practice for the last 15 years because people mm -hmm. were saying, that's what we want. We want to understand who you are. We want to know what you stand for. Yeah, we want to know if you're worth our time. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the first priority in the Leadership Challenge. So this has just been magnified during COVID. Everything and we're that. really pleased to see that and, and I haven't got all the research, so don't quote me, but the way Jim said, we're really quite surprised, and he started singing that song, the same as it's ever been, um, that it looks like, yeah, it things is. are on track. 
Yeah. Fascinating. No, I'll be really interested actually to see that because there's so many assumptions have been made about what the impact of, of COVID has been based on, you know, people's experience of going through it and well this must have gone up and that's gone down and this it'll be actually very interesting to see it from uh you know that that standpoint in terms of the the, the leadership perspective and what's absolutely what, yeah absolutely and you know i don't know if this is relevant but for some reason it just came from here to here i just feel like it might i don't know let's see what emerges <laughs> when i set the business up as business in motion um it was spelled business i in motion yeah. I had to get approval from the inspectors for the name. And when I did go through that process, they said to me, look, we, we're pretty happy with that name for you. But there is another company, very similar name called Research in Motion, which was the old Blackberry or Blueberry yeah, yeah, phones. Yeah, yeah Blackberries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, cutting a long story short, they were big boys and I was a little player. Yeah. So how's this connected to what you just said? I don't know yet. I'll keep going. <laughs> so I had to go and knock on their door and say, would you mind me using this name? Inspectors are happy. Are you happy? And they said, yeah, we're happy. All you need to do is sign a document. Well, over the three months, it went from sign one document through to me spending $10,000 US to get legal assistance for it. And on the last day before I was going to be thrown out because of no visa, they changed their mind. They said, bad luck, we've changed our mind. I went to bed in an absolute panic that night going, oh, my God, in this country, you have to have a valid visa. Yeah. You have to get oh, out yeah. if you don't oh, my God, my visa's up, my name isn't accepted, business in motion, please, can you help me? And what emerged when I woke up was the universe conspires. It helps you on all levels. And all of a sudden it said, of course, your business is called business in motion. Listen to what I'm saying. But it's spelt E-N, like the French, en motion. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's business E-N motion. And people say, where did that name come from? And I say, well, do you want the pretend story, the made-up story? We work with the finesse of the French. Yeah. Or do you want the real Big boy tries to eat little person. Mm -hmm. Is it, what, what was the last point you were saying? Um, about it resources. Was, yeah, just about resources and what's keeping you on track from, from, from that side of things. Okay. And, uh, so what's yeah. keeping you on track? What's keeping you on track? Hunger. For what you do I could have been absolutely flawed and packed my bags against the seemingly impossible big boy but when yeah. you believe that you're serving well don't ever give up because the universe up. will help you make it work <laughs> brilliant brilliant Debbie and then um, I think that's a fantastic way to to end this particular conversation don't give up keep going um and uh it's been an absolute pleasure Debbie I just thank you very much thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today I've loved it and I hope it's brought some value to your listeners because I know your podcast as a podcast is something that's in demand I believe across the US and the Middle East so yeah. hopefully that my little one part has also brought some value. So thank you once again, Barry. Thank you, Debbie. And it certainly has, I know for that. And I've made a couple of notes as well. I've been thinking, okay, that's yeah, there. So it's, it will have added massive value. I can guarantee that. And uh, again, thank you. And thank you to everyone for tuning in on this particular episode. As always, if there's anyone else that you would like us to speak with, drop us a line, wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.